there is only 250,000 starts a year. And in order to attain that three and a half million units by 2030, they would need to over double what's currently being built. But that they, you know, the highest, the all-time record for housing completions was in 1974 at 257,000. So the likelihood, and they even commented when asked if, if, you know, if they were, you know, if this is even possible uh, to even attain, they said no. You're listening to the Ottawa Real Estate Podcast with your hosts, Paul Stevenson, David Warren, and Greg Campbell. Let's see what's going on in the world of real estate today. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Ottawa Real Estate Podcast. Another week in Ottawa. (laughs) (laughs) On the podcast. We're here. We're back. My name is Paul Stevenson. I'm a mortgage agent here in Ottawa. Doing this a while now. We've been doing this all over 10 years. David Warren, also a mortgage agent and owner at Referral Mortgages. Yes. Greg Campbell, a realtor extraordinaire with the agency Ottawa. Yes. Yes. The agency. And we're back. It is September, mid-September, mid to late September, 2023. Greg is driving. He's mobile. It's... Mm -hmm. It's crazy, man. It's it's fall. It, it's basically fall now. It's fall. <laughs> it's the last. It's the end of 2023. Make it count, everyone. Make it count. Whatever you're doing, count. make it count. Because if you don't, that means that you're just lazy waiting to make some type of New Year's resolution for 2024 <laughs> when you could be doing it in 2023. Words of wisdom from me. Yeah, we need that last. Right now. Make your last quarter count. You know, make October first the new January first. Eh? Get that. Get that new quarter resolution going. October first. I think. I think that's the way to do it. I just missed my turn. I was too busy <laughs> talking. I was too busy talking and having a great time here. Some might say that's distracted uh, driving, but you know. Yeah. <laughs> no, nothing. Nothing at all. I'm gonna get fined. Someone's gonna find me and find me. <laughs> check your mirrors oh check your mirrors check your check your speed my father liked your mon village comment yesterday greg he told me that they actually live next door to mon village before the highway was That's built crazy and it was That's a working crazy. it was a working dairy farm owned by the chapmans <laughs> so there you go a little little huts in history i don't know if it's the chapmans the ice cream chapmans but it would make sense <laughs> I like I like Hudson history. I like just saying that. <laughs> yeah, Hudson history. I know that's uh, yeah, that's pretty wild. Great place. There's a, a second plug for them now today. Yeah, <laughs> they're gonna have to start paying us. In other news, you know, I did an open house on the weekend at a condo, mm. and I was I was a little un- I was uncertain what it was gonna be like. You know, and the two of us went. Luca stayed downstairs. You know, to, to let people in, bring them up, show them the amenities. I was upstairs and we weren't sure what to expect, but we had about, I think it was 10 groups through. Mm. And there was four of those, four of those people lived in the building, mm. which was interesting. I just got knocks on the door and they're like, hey, yeah, we live here. We just wanted to see it. A couple people owned already in the building. They were looking at buying another as an investment. Mm. Now. The one thing is, you got to know this, and I, I'm going to toot my horn here a bit, tooting my horn. The, I, there's, 
six other listings in the building right now, six other condos for sale. I called all of those agents and I said, do you guys want to also host open houses so you can piggyback on this? And I said, I will promote them all. I will design a flyer for all of us to give to the people at the door. I said, I, we have a guy at the door. Mm. He's going to do all of that. He'll bring everybody in. Four agents didn't even reply to me after three emails that I sent. Texted as well. No one responded to me. And one responded, we can't do it because it's tenanted. Two other condos were vacant. And the agents were like, oh, we're, we're out of town. We're out of town that weekend. And I'm kind of like, well, I don't get somebody else in your office or from your team. What the hell, man? I couldn't believe how lazy everybody was. And we're sitting there kicking ass. So anyways, something to note, if you're, if you're hiring a realtor, make sure that they're actually working. Like, I, I don't know, man. It, I just found it very, it was, I found it very strange. I was, I wasn't. Great impressed. idea. That's great idea. Right? It's a fantastic I'm idea. Help, I'm trying to help out here and no one wants to, no one wants to work for their seller apparently. And, but, and, uh, for, and for those realtors, it's, if, if you're going to go away, that's fine. People deserve to go away on the weekends, but have somebody to refer the business to to cover that open house. People are always looking, like new agents are looking to stand in an open house for lead gen, or you know, you're doing your clients a disservice. Find somebody in your office to to get out to these. It's absolutely that's crazy. That's that's crazy, right? I'd be I'd be infuriated if I was a if I was a seller in that building, noticing that there's other open houses going on. Let alone finding out if I ever found out that you know that was an offer. And that wasn't jumped on. And with that dude, and with that many people that to see it, you know what mm. I'm saying? That was like, you know, because maybe the, like, you know, they're not all gonna just want to buy the one that I have. You know what I'm saying? Like, it would have mm. been a great opportunity for for. I mean, they left it to us. Now I have the leads. So anyone that didn't come in that would that you know anyone that came in unrepresented, I'm gonna follow up with them and. You know, if they don't want the one that I'm offering for sale, you know, maybe they'll want something else. It's just business, right? Anyways, I was I was shocked, but hey, my, you know, a win for me, a win to let me know that there are people that are not working as hard. So whatever. Greg, we talked about this last week that in other countries they have either just buying agents or just listing agents. Yes. And when you say this, it kind of makes me feel like you know, in Canada, we have almost this like gatekeeper system. Like you have to go through my guy. You can't talk to us, you know? And if that guy or girl or whoever is, is not servicing them, they probably don't even notice, right? Like, like you said, Dave, like they, if they're waiting for showings at their house and their realtor just says, oh, well, no showings again, you know, they don't actually know what's happening behind the doors. Now I, I understand that protects obviously the realtor and the client from people, you know, just hawking them outside the listing like i get why they don't allow you to reach out directly to the clients but there should be some form of like public forum where uh at least you know listing clients can know what is happening like what their agent is actually doing for them right instead of just kind of being in the dark in, in two of those units yeah. being vacant that means they have zero revenue coming in they're not they either their tenants have moved out and they're living elsewhere having to cover this mortgage at least property taxes and condo fees even if they have no mortgage on it and if they used to live in it, it means that they have maybe had to get a bridge loan or private loan on that 
new property that they moved to because they couldn't sell this in time. In either scenario, a vacant property is even worse. Like these realtors should be absolutely trying to get somebody in because it's literally just the client bleeding money. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely, man. Like it's an immediate sale, like close now, you know? And anyways, I didn't, you know, I, I didn't, you know, it's not my place to comment when I got those replies, but you know, they, they were both like, great idea. We're, we're away. And I'm like, well, okay, go, go away. Have yeah. somebody else do it. You know, like, come on. Wow. Crazy. I mean, anyways, and, that's my story for the weekend. But to your point of, uh, you know, commenting about the amount of traffic you had through, I, I spoke to a, a number of realtors in the last week and they certain they commented that it's certainly picked up as far as, as far as, you know, bodies to the door, showings, offers, you know, and, and it, and really them mentioned it's been since, you know, kind of out of that Labor Day weekend, they, they very much noticed. And that was, you know, yeah. again, this is anecdotally, but it's, you know, amongst four different realtors and, and different areas that focus on different areas of the city. And I thought that was really interesting because it's, you know, kind of what we thought it would be. So I'm, I'm interested to see how the rest of the month shapes up as we continue going and with, you know, kind of obviously as we commented last week with that rate, the rate pause and, and people back, kids back to school and all that. Yeah, that seemed to really make a difference. The rate pause, like as as silly as it sounds, like literally Wednesday afternoon or Thursday morning, like it seemed like all of us agree. It got busier, like people were out, people started asking questions, people wanted to get pre-approvals, people wanted to start shopping, like it instantly mm-hmm. changed. Now that could be, I think it's compounded, like you said, the fact that it is September now, the rate was held, et cetera. But I think there's a, a kind of a sediment in the market now where people are at least more comfortable going out shopping. As we said, like all that rate shock is gone. Everyone's expecting rates in the fives. Nobody's blown away by that anymore. It's the dust has kind of settled a bit. And I think yeah. if anything, if rates hold or stay or even come down, if the rates even come down once, I know we said this before, like I think it's gonna be it's gonna be interesting to see how that impacts the market. A couple announcements last week by our government with regards to trying to accelerate the housing market. And I'm sure nothing to do with the fact that they're is an election looming, probably just trying to fix problems. But Dave, there was an announcement. I know you had an article with regards to removing the GST. They were removing GST mm-hmm. on some new rentals. Yeah, so is they the federal government had a, a caucus meeting last week, three day meeting, and it was suggested that you know, or there are recommendations from different uh, economists and and people in the industry and construction groups of what should be done or suggestions that should be done in order to help combat housing shortage. You know, there's CMHC doubled down on a report that they'd already written saying that there's three and a half million homes needed to be built by 2030 in order to kind of meet what is needed, that there is only 250,000 starts a year. And in order to attain that three and a half million units by 2030, they would need to over double what's currently being built, but that the, you know, the highest, the all-time record for housing completions was in 1974 at 257,000. So the likelihood, and they even commented when asked if, if, you know, if they were, you know, if this is even possible uh, to even attain, and they said, no, that they don't see that <laughs> that's possible, but it's, it's asking the right questions is what the, what, what the president of CMHC had, had stated. But one thing that the uh, federal government had uh, promised in 2015 when uh, elected was to remove uh, the GST off of 
uh, construction of new rental apartments. Uh, this was promised in 2015, scrapped a year later, and then now brought back and announced that they are actually going to do it. And for those that don't know, when building new construction, so anything over effectively four units, you're having to, you're, you're self-assessing. So based on the value of that property, you're, you're having to pay GST on that. And, and so, you know, it's for long-term rentals. And so that does, that is an impediment for builders. It's something that's, you know, after the fact. So when your construction build is completed, that you're then assessing and having to pay this to CRA. So it is a good thing. It's something that should have been brought in in 2015 or 2016 when it was announced, uh, which would have helped speed things up. You know, it's not going to be a, a cure-all for sure, but, uh, you know, it will be really good for a lot of a lot of builders, small and large, that it applies to. Unlike some of the other programs through CMHC that, you know, were really targeted towards large builders, this will also help the smaller builders that are looking at building, you know, 6, 12, 15, 24 unit buildings and maybe aren't the big conglomerates like the Mintos of the world or, or what have you that are, are able to fall under that the CMHC construction program for building where they look at those, you know, look at only really uh, giving them to them. So, you know, it is, it is, you know, something that will, will help, you know, it's for any build, anything retroactive. So if you have a build underway right now, you are not going to be able to take advantage of this. Unfortunately, the uh, enhanced GST rental rebate will apply to projects that begin construction on or after September 14th, 2023, and on or before and complete by uh, the end of 2030. So December 31st, 2030, um, that you're beginning and then completion of construction by 2035. This is just the GST portion. So just that, that 5%. So they are looking for provinces to waive that. Uh, there are provinces that have already not been charging that. So BC has not been charging. Alberta does not have provincial sales tax. So they have not been charging. Uh, but provinces like Ontario, like uh, I know Newfoundland already said that they would, you know, get rid of the PSD, et cetera. So it is trying to, it is going to come down to like, this is the GST portion of the, you know, so that 5%, but the, then there is also the provincial portion. So it will look, to, they are looking for, for the provinces as well to, to kind of, kind of jump on. This is not applying to, to renovations. So, you know, mass renovations to buildings uh, because they we're afraid of kind of that rent evictions. So, you know, if you're looking at updating your rental property, you can uh, provide notice to your tenants that you're going to be doing mass renovations. And, you know, you still have to offer that unit back to that same unit back to that tenant at the same rents, but they, so they are not applying that, that rebate to, to those, but you know, it, it is, they are looking at, at other ways in which they can enhance that, that rental rebate for you know kind of those conversions so applying to conversions of non-residential spaces into the uh, residential units uh you know we've talked about in the past and there's been other articles about with uh vacancy rates of commercial properties and especially uh the government buildings in major cities especially ottawa a lot of them are completely empty of converting them to residential so i know kind of simultaneous last week to this being announced by the liberals at the that the conservatives announced in Vancouver that they would look to move 15% of the government buildings to the, you know, to private, to, to convert to resident, to residential is something like that, that then this rebate would apply to those. So I think by and large, it, you know, it will be, it's a good start. It will kind of help 
cut costs and and kind of you know for builders and make it more advantageous if you will to to build which is needed because then that drives down the cost of the actual property itself there was uh, i'm trying to find it in the in the article here i'm there it's about i think it was 10 percent uh that of the 10 percent of the cost on the build or or of the rent uh, is attributed to uh the g to the to taxes to gst uh making up about that so you know, it really is a big impediment to to for builders of, of building. And it's something that that's charged after the fact. Yeah, builders were having to actually build that 5% in. You build in, you know, you build a huge project and then on closing, you're basically giving 5% of it away to the government instantly. So I think it will help. I think it'll take, as you said, it's going to take a long time for us to see the benefit of this. I don't think it's going to be... Like it's if it was done eight years ago, like you said, like I think it would have probably yes. we would have been able to circumvent some of the stuff we're dealing with now. But it coming in now, it's going to take another probably eight years to see any sort of positive impact. You know, like there'll be some short term well, impact thing, and, and new like, projects, but and it's like how does it when like how does it affect the consumer? Right? Like yeah. are they ever? Are, they're never they're never going to see any benefit from that. I don't think like the prices mm. are going to be. I think how it will benefit the overall population for, for renters is that, you know, really it is it's supply is the biggest issue and the more, uh, and really it is in the, the private sector's hands uh, to build units um, sure. and rental units. And so any way that, that those companies can be incentivized to build or the margins not be so thin that, you know, now with rent, with interest rates being high, they're not as apt to build because it's more costly, but cutting out, if they can cut out 13% uh, of their overall costs, then they're, then that really helps those margins and makes, you know, the interest rate environment we're in that maybe they already have land that they've said, okay, we're going to wait a couple of years to build, but now not having to pay GST or, you know, that, that 5% and hopefully the other provinces jump on board that do charge the PST portion that they scrap it as well. And so that incentivizes those builders to maybe expedite those builds and increase that supply so that, you know, the more units on the market, the less competitive is and, and drives down those, those rates. But, you know, really kind of this is where people don't realize is, is even for small builders and not just large ones, but they have to basically self-assess. So, you know, and this is a, an article on kind of summarizing on stories.com and I'm, you know, kind of going into it because I, I think it is very important. And I know we do have a lot of investors and small builders that listen that understand this because I've seen some of my clients pay hundreds of thousands of dollars on their small projects to CRA after the fact and having to come up with this these funds. So previously under what was called the self-supply rules, developers of rental buildings were required to pay the 5% GST on the fair market value of the project on completion. So something that People need to realize that's not the cost to build. It's the fair market value of the project. So let's say it costs $5 million to build, but the value, the fair market value, if they went and sold it was $8 million, but they're not selling it. They're holding it. But the fair market value is $8 million. They're having to pay taxes based on that $8 million, let's say. And I'm just using, you know, this as an example, to CRA. This is this is like a big chunk of change that they're paying after the build is completed. And it's irrelevant of whether there was cost overruns, what the interest rate environment is, whether it's, whether they haven't rented out or anything like that, or, or, you know, tenants lined up, anything like that. And so this is a big hit at the end of it that they're having to account for. So 
However, small developer, however, developers of strata condominiums did not because the GST is paid by the individual home buyer. This is where the, you know, that amount for when you're buying a condo or, or a unit is being passed along to, to you as the buyer. Also, many also found that they could not take advantage of the existing rebate because the threshold was too difficult to meet. To be eligible for the new 100% rebate, rental buildings will, would, would also have to meet certain criteria, having at least four private apartment units. So a unit in a pri- with a private kitchen, bathroom, and living area, or at least 10 private rooms or suites. So a 10-unit residence. So this would apply for um, student rentals, uh, senior living, or people with disabilities. So building out uh, old age homes, et cetera, because as we become have an aging population of the baby boom era, that uh, there is more uh, as well, more senior living um, communities that are required. And 90% of the residential units designated for long-term rental. Uh, so this is, this is obviously important. The enhanced GST rental rebate will thus not apply to single family homes, duplexes and triplexes. It will also not apply to housing co-ops, owned houses situated on leased land, and residential trailer parks, but the government of Canada says that these forms of housing will continue to qualify for the 36% GST rebate. Anyway, so big news for for those small and large builders out there. I think good timing for people that maybe are you know have a project that's about to get underway, but unfortunate for people for builders that have their project already started. Yeah, that's that's cool, man. I'm just I'm anxious to see the final result of that once it really starts to take shape. Yeah. And what other changes we'll see? I mean, that they announced that seemingly overnight. Well, it took eight years, I guess, to implement. But <laughs> once they actually decided to do it, it got implemented immediately. So, I mean, I guess that's a silver lining. Like, you know, if they do want to create change through policy, they seem to be able to do it at a stroke of a pen, which is... And it's such a convenient time. Yeah. Stroke that pen. Mm-hmm. So, so convenient. Yeah. Eight years of... Eight yes. years of challenges and then... You know, that that's the unfortunate side of it is that it was, yeah. it, you know, they came up, they had the idea eight years ago, which, you know, when you're looking now, we're fast forwarding that eight years that we have such an issue. But if, you know, this was realized eight years ago that we need to sp- like spur uh, rental developments, because we know that this, that housing is an issue and that affordability on housing or rental supply is an issue. Eight years ago, the fact that it didn't come to fruition or that it wasn't implemented is, is, is unfortunate because they're, you know, that again, we would be, we would know. And they're, you know, if they knew eight years ago, there was a housing shortage and that's just been exacerbated by the, you know, by the, the uptick yeah, in, right. in immigration and, and all of that. Anyways, we'll see what other, you know, can't just be this, like to Greg, your point, there's going to have, well, it'll be interesting to see what else happens aside from your coffee being spilt for your, for your new photo shoot. Unbelievable. (laughs) I'm at a photo shoot about to shoot videos for three properties. And now I have this and I don't have an extra shirt. Thanks. Coffee. Maybe you should go, you might be rummaging through the cabinets to see if there's a hairdryer. (laughs) I saw you in the car with a pink shirt, drinking coffee. And I just. For me, that would be a disaster waiting to happen. I didn't want to jinx it, but I maybe my thought did. <laughs> there's too there's too much happening. I'm doing a podcast. I'm at a photo shoot, doing videos and drinking coffee. Disaster recipe, <laughs> and it happened. It happened. Yeah, to oh, your well. point, Dave. Like you know, eight years ago, if they knew that part of their their election plan was to or like you know platform, yeah, platform. Excuse me, was to you know increase immigration and so on, then they knew this was going to be an issue. Like they knew that 
this housing problem, there's going to be a shortage. Obviously, they couldn't have planned the pandemic or expected it. But they at least, when that happened, that accelerated everything. But even without that, even if that didn't happen, as you said, there was still big lofty goals for immigration and so on. So these things would have circumvented a lot of the issues we're dealing with. High rents, lack of supply, mm -hmm. like everything, basically all of, I'm not saying it would have been a catch-all, but it certainly would have put us in a much better position than we are today for everyone looking to rent or buy a home in, in Ottawa, at least, or in Ontario. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so we'll see. You know, there's, there is, like I said last week as well, the, the conservative government or party rather, not government party announced their, you know, housing platform or what they would like to do and see. And they're going to be tabling, they're going to be tabling some bills on the house floor. We'll see, you know, to help, you know, kind of just push along that, that housing um, agenda or affordability of housing agenda. So it'll be interesting to see if all parties can come together on this being like an issue that needs to be addressed immediately and not just waiting until 2025 and who's going to try and you know upstage the other uh to claim it as their own or whether they can kind of cross party lines and actually like get shit done because you know waiting oh, for another... the people yeah for the, waiting for another... the minions like us david yeah. and yeah. you know the general public like, why waiting would they do two that years. Yeah, waiting two years for for them to come together on things is just you know, it's not even going to be two years. That's just when an election happens. Nothing even starts yeah. at that point. And so, yeah, I'm hope, you know, again, we can always, we always say, I think everyone always says like, you're always hopeful that they can, that parties can cross mm -hmm. lines and, 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 you know, kind of come together with some bipartisan policies on especially such important topics. But I think pretty well, most, I think in most countries, people are very reluctant <laughs> to believe that that's going to happen. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> Yes, we need less yeah. less politicians, more real men and women in those positions. You know, I had one last article sure. I wanted to to touch on with regards to delinquencies. Just to end on a nice negative note. This was by Equifax, so they they were talking about delinquencies across all credit products. So I'll read you a couple excerpts here that were interesting. So it says that early stage delinquencies on both mortgage and non mortgage debt continue to rise in the second quarter a sign that interest rates are increasingly weighing on Canadian borrowers. This is a new article. Obviously, they're just using Q2 stats. It says the number of consumers that are starting to miss at least one payment grew last quarter and is continuing to grow. She noted some, in quotes, pretty large jumps, and they're seeing movement across all products now. So mortgage growth being driven by first-time buyers, so another stat they had near Equifax, also reported that new mortgage originations in the quarter were driven by first-time buyers, with originations by this demographic up 59% compared to the first quarter. Consumer proposals on the rise. So two more points here. Consumer proposals says the largest increase in consumer proposals has been seen amongst those with a mortgage, which are up 42% from last year, while there's still a 25% increase among consumers without a mortgage. So both pretty big numbers in that regard. And last but not least, credit demand being boosted by newcomers. So as expected, obviously with the immigration numbers, it says despite a slowdown in the mortgage loan growth, which was up just 1% in the quarter, Total consumer debt in Canada rose 2% to $2.4 trillion, driven largely by growth in credit card balances. While the demand from existing credit consumers was down 2.2%, Equifax says loan growth was driven by new-to-credit consumers applying for Canadian credit for the first time, which is correlated to increased immigration numbers. I know from my seat, and Dave, you're probably seeing this as well, when doing new-to-Canada, like obviously it's new-to-Canada programs and so on, but that is a big thing a lot of people 
you know, they might have international credit bureaus and so on, but they're, and we can use those, but they just don't have any Canadian credit. So mm -hmm. it's not surprising for me to hear that there's a lot of people getting first-time credit. You know, obviously, as we said, with the immigration numbers, I think it was like 5% of Canada or something just immigrated to Canada, 5% of our population. So if all those people are getting, you know, even a secured visa or some sort of initial credit product, that is obviously going to impact those numbers of new applications. So, so yeah, it's it, it's I, a article if anyone wants to go through it. I think that's a, a really good topic, Paul, about the about immigration and credit for those for those realtors and mortgage agents out there that do not cater to immigrants. Like you really need to sharpen your skills on new to Canada programs. They are one of the most widely used programs, you know, whether like Paula said, whether you, whether the borrower has Canadian credit or not, there are alternative types of credit that can be used. Realtors, like, you know, talking to your clients that are, you know, that just came here, that just immigrated a lot or a lot of new immigrants are coming with very good jobs coming with savings and money. You know, this is a qualification when going through their permanent residency or applying for PR is like that they're professional, they have professional skills and professional jobs from the countries they're coming from and, and savings and, and all that, you know, really you should be learning about that, that those communities, learning how to help those communities, you know, with their home buying, you know, initiative or, or, or dreams and, uh, and brushing up on those programs. Amen. Amen. Yeah. <laughs> the, I, the what before we kind of jump off i wanted to I, l I actually last week listened to a presentation from sajin which is one of the one of the mortgage insurers uh, so you have cmhc you've got canada guarantee and sajin so canada guarantee and sajin are the two private insurers so they're publicly traded but they uh insure mortgages that are less than 20 percent down and also more than 20 percent down if they fall under certain qualifications but there's an interesting borrower profile for the Ottawa region that I wanted to touch on. So typically these are a lot of first-time home buyers that are putting, you know, less than 20% down to their insured mortgages. But I just wanted to kind of touch on this profile that is up to date as of as of July of this year. The Ottawa kind of house like average income, this is borrower profile, so this could be combined, $157,000. Length of employment that they've been at their job, 3.9 years. 60% uh, of their borrowers are younger than 35 years old with credit score. 96% of them have credit scores over 660. The average mortgage being 562,000. Hmm. The average age of the property being 24 years. 28% of these borrowers though received gifted down payment from their parents. This is, or from some, you know, a family member. This is, you know, as home prices go up, this is what percent did you say? Twenty eight percent. Twenty eight percent. So, yeah, and and that's kind of going up. That the that the population in Ottawa that they have is exactly one point one three five million. So a growth rate of nine point two percent. So Ottawa's seen a year over year growth rate of nine point two percent, which is huge when we're talking about growth or or increases in home values and you know, rental prices, all of that, you know, that's something to keep in mind as well. And that the sales to listing ratio in July being 64%. So average sale price for these bore, you know, for these borrowers, 623,000. So this was the average sale price. Again, these are 
typically first time home buyers that are putting less than 20% down. So that's, you know, kind of makes sense that that's the kind of that lower end. And that includes condos and freehold. 21% of these are detached homes. So anyways, just thought I'd throw those numbers out there. Uh, I thought a few that that were really interesting was the 28% being gifted funds, which is not that surprising for first time home buyers having to go to the bank of mom and dad for, for help. Um, especially when property values have gone up, there's equity there um, that they're able to leverage. Average income being so high within Ottawa of hundred, almost 158,000, which is pretty massive. And, and that the growth rate in Ottawa, population growth rate of 9.2%, those are some pretty big, pretty big numbers. So this would exclude mm. back-end insured mortgages, right? Like this is only for 20% and less? This is just the profile that Sajin is seeing of their borrowers. Mm-hmm. So obviously the growth rate of the population is the same, population being the same across the board. But I'd argue that, you know, what they're seeing is going to be the similar to what CMHC and Canada and, uh, and Canada Guarantee saying, saying. Yeah. because there's a lot of, you know, lenders sometimes, you know, are, they kind of buckshot it there, you know, there's some of these, there's only three insurers out there, but yeah, it's not including the uninsured, but the uninsured is, is for properties over a million dollars in value, people putting 20% or more down and a, and a 30 year amortization. So any one of those would classify as an uninsured mortgage. So anything 25 years under a million dollars in value or purchase price. And as long as it falls under that 25 year and, and under a million, it's fallen in that insured bucket, then that this is what that profile is kind of picking up. Well, that I knew. I meant more so like, you know, some lenders will back and insure. And I just, my question, yeah. my thinking was that if, like, I would say most people that aren't putting less than 20%, there's probably in around that 20 to 30% mark that are still getting gifted down payments. I, yeah. I, that's what I was thinking is it'd be interesting to know what the gifted down payment percentage is for people putting more than 20%. That's why I wasn't sure if this was also... Uh, yeah, there's. I, I think that would have to come from the individual banks of what they're seeing or Aussie. I, I'm not sure. You know that that insured and uh, the insurable and uninsured was was definitely meant for for everyone else, not you, Paul. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I just didn't I'm, know if I. I'm pretty I confident know I that you know it. the differences. I didn't know if I asked it properly. I'm like, maybe I didn't make sense when I said that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, well, that's that's a lot to digest for anyone listening today. The they're definitely going to be experts in the GST, and they're going to be experts in the yeah. in our in our opinions about our government. Uh, and I they're think, be I think experts David, on default. David killed the show today. That was amazing. Thank you for that. Well, that was a good deep dive. Yeah, we should probably yeah. we should do that maybe more when there's big announcements like that. Especially, you know, we're coming into yeah uh, potentially an election year. We should probably you know there's going to be a lot of promises made a lot of, a lot of so, a lot sounds of a lot like this show a lot of a lot of promises made but yeah. not fulfilled <laughs> well should we slide into the mood boost yes i have three today and i i'm happy with all of them i have to say also i was out i have a new tour i uh, my boys are back in school so new tour is cp in perth now instead of cp in smith falls but in perth really cool coffee shop i stumbled upon you can't miss it driving into town it's called the hourglass talk to david who said he's only owned it since March. Cool spot, really neat. It's an old warehouse, pretty neat vibe. Going to go work there one day, but if anyone's there, great coffee. That's the point of me saying this. All right, here we go. Mood boost. Mood boost. Number one, I got home from work today to find my kids have been on eBay all day. If they're still there tomorrow, I'm going to lower the price. (laughs) Mm. 
Ube. Nice 1990s reference. <laughs> Number two, little known fact, before the crowbar was invented, crows simply drank at home. <laughs> yes. I like that. And uh, number three, I had a date last night. It was perfect. Tonight, I think I'll try a grape. <laughs> what about a prune? A prune, yeah. A prune, a prune. Yeah, a prune would have slid in there nicely. Yeah, yeah. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in. Um, we'll be back next week. No guests today. Next week. No, October 3rd, 2nd. Maybe. Again. Maybe. Maybe. We'll see. <laughs> We'll no promises. <laughs> no we'll promises. See you later. <laughs> but there's no GST anymore. New rental bills. That much we know. Uh, all right. We'll be back next week. Thanks for tuning in, everyone. Be sure to like, subscribe, comment. We do answer them. We will respond. Thanks for tuning in, everyone. We hope you enjoyed today's episode. Please remember to like, share, comment, and subscribe because we'd really like that.